Ishilden, it is called, explained the elvensmith, running his finger along the mountainside. It's ink only visible under the lights that rule the night. It is a curious alloy, admired the dwarven smith opposite him, and befitting for a western gate of the Khazad, a symbol of the friendship between our peoples, Kilabrimbor. Indeed, nodded Kilabrimbor. And shall it be known that it was pioneered by you, Narvi? Not without Mithril could this be alloyed. And I must thank you again for your efforts in obtaining the few minerals we sought. They will be put to good use, mind you. And I hope you can look upon the fruit of our creation come time. Celebrimbor finished his inscription upon the grey slabs. It read, The doors of Durin, Lord of Moria, speak, friend, and enter. I, Narvi, made them. Celebrimbor of Holden drew these signs. The pair of smiths stepped back and admired their work. Glowing in the light of the moon appeared an arch above the doorway, amidst it a crown hoisting above it seven stars. Below, a sigil of a hammer and anvil, the symbol of Durin the Deathless. Furthermore, between the etching of a great tree was the eight-pointed star of the House of Feanor, the sigil revered greatly among the jewelsmiths of Eregion. Finally, in either corner at the height of the arch, were the runes for C and N, representing Celebrimbor and Narvi respectively, and at the base of the gate, the rune for D, representing Durin. It is mighty, ascribed Narvi. It is elegant. Celebrimbor ran his hand along the finely written runes and signs which gleamed as the moon slowly mounted itself in the sky. Melom he commanded, and suddenly the door waned inwards, revealing a straight hall leading on into Khazad-dûm. Both Celebrimbor and Narvi smiled, yet Celebrimbor's was perhaps more eager, and they walked side by side into the hall, shining lamps of crystal either side lighting the way. The gate is a worthy creation, noted Narvi, and yet you still seem unsatisfied. Your heart yearns for something still. Very wise, Master Narvi, affirmed Celebrimbor, continuing his way through the hall. Indeed, this creation, while a hard-won enterprise, was not my sole desire in coming to you. The minerals your Lord Durin has provided to the Gwythi Myrdine have a purpose. Might I ask what purpose that is? Indeed you can, smiled Celebrimbor, speaking now with a certain vigor and purpose. Using the minerals in Mithril alike, we seek to craft great rings for our people, preserving and amplifying the beauty and light of Middle-earth. While the idea remains just that, your lord's contributions has ensured that this ambition may yet come to light, and that I am ever grateful for. That is quite the undertaking, acknowledged the dwarven smith. And you needn't thank me. This is a mutual friendship. And in time, I know that our people may need a boon, and that Eregion would grant it. And so I wish it to be forever. To that end, you can hold our trust, affirmed the elvensmith. Countless hours came and went, yet the dim light filling the hall remained unchanging. Through curves and crevices they came, and at length to a forked path leading three ways. Were they to take the right passage, it would lead to the south, far into abandoned mines and deeps. Straightforward, it would lead them onwards, and following it long enough, it would take them to Durin's halls where they wished to go. Yet the leftmost path, which led north towards the Caradras, 
hosting the sole mithril thane of Khazad-dûm, was guarded by two dwarven soldiers, both with an axe in their right hand. "'What is the meaning of this?' spouted Narvi in haste. "'Lord Durin has decreed that this vein is to be sealed henceforth,' answered one of the guards. "'Now that the elves of Eregion have gotten their share,' Narvi showed visible anguish, but quickly his expression resolved to anger and resentment. "'The stone-headed fool!' shouted Narvi aloud. The dwarven soldier stepped back in bewilderment. Speaking out against the deathless Durin was no welcome feat amongst the Khazad, and resentment against his degrees even more so. "'What wisdom could he see in this? What could the almighty Durin fear that he would turn away the bounty of Khazad-dûm?' Celebrimbor placed his hand on Narvi's shoulder, looking down to him. "'Whatever the reason be, understand that Durin is your lord, just as I am subject to the Lady Galadriel. And the, the, whatever our wisdom differs from theirs or elsewise, we are in no place to speak out against them, for not even the wisest of smiths know fully what they perceive.' "'Alas, what you say is true,' commanded Narvi. "'But still I mourn the loss of what could have been.' To see such an excellence achievable by our people being casted away as if petty stone between veins of gold. I too mourn that loss for your people, comforted Celebrimbor, but do not be dismayed. Better may come for Durin's halls. There are things far greater than Mithril in this world, and your people may yet come to know that. And have yours acquired apt Mithril to fulfill your ambition? Yes, smiled the elven smith. We have plenty. And my heart may lay at ease. If the glittering silver shan't benefit the Khazad, bless outlay for its opportunity to benefit the Gwaith-e Eregion. That is a kind sentiment, Master Narvi. Celebrimbor bowed. Let us go, lest we keep Lord Durin waiting far longer. two promptly continued their long trek through Khazad-dûm. There was no perception of time, as in all hours the only light which led their path was a dim white gleam echoing from wall to wall. For brief moments they would spark a conversation, alas of only petty things of little value, yet the two greatly enjoyed each other's company, and in turn the long dark was easier to bear for Celebrimbor, and the long hours winged quickly. Come time they would at last make far east into Hithaglir, and come upon the revered throne of Durin, basking in the presence of its imposing form. The two, in custom, bowed before the esteemed forger of Khazad-dûm, and bearer of the ancient Iron Crown, now beset upon the mane of Durin III. "'This is your friend?' questioned Durin. "'This is the ambitious enterpriser and smith alike of Eregion, under the counsel and admonition of the one they call the Lord of Gifts, and friend to our smith, Narvi. Celebrimbor is my name, and it remains so, singular, until my enterprise is absolute. Humble, perhaps, 
the Lord of the Khazad observed, but greed-ridden in ambition, no less. I did not come to be belittled by the one crowned by the seven stars, and I did not come to seek praise nor recompense for the creation Narvi and I devised. Only have I trekked here to give my regards to Khazadum, for your loss of what Narvi believes most prize within your halls, and to give my farewell. I shall not return for many years, as the Myrdain must now undergo toils beyond count. And what shall become of these toils? interrogated Durin. Something that will lead only to the continuing of the greed now so impaced in Eriador? Or has the Lord of Gifts swayed your mind yet? Does this enterprise truly lead to the betterment of Middle-earth and beyond? Will it serve to save all lands of the West, of the East, and of the Star? Whatever shall become of your work, its fruits will not breach the doors of Durin. For when I have shown only gratitude and fairness, you bark and clamor at every effort of the Myrdain. And while your decree may be aided by the deathless Samsara of Durin, its rule does not reach into a region. While your wrath may act as a tempest ravaging in the Orwell, a mighty dam is emplaced by the rule and reign of Lord Celeborn and Lady Galadriel. Celebrimbor did not idle to hear a response. Instead, brashly he left the chamber, absent of a final farewell to Narvi, and without rest nor sustenance, the elven smith made haste and returned to Eregion. For two centuries, they toiled in tandem, striking the anvils of their thoughts to issue sparks of pure creation. To turn objects into subjects of their intent was an ambition relentless in the foundries of the Gwaith E. Myrdain. With Anatar at the helm of the symphony, they channeled the sounds of their tools into order, shaping, bending, twisting, recreating metal to best capture the brilliance of their minds. It was a pursuit like none other, and there was a long way yet to traverse. They stepped closer to their legacy with every failure. There was no limit too high to achieve, and all stone was at the mercy of the Gwaith. Guided into submission, empowered into change by the will of Anatar and the passion of Celebrimbor. You are fated for greatness, Anatar encouraged Celebrimbor, and you are the shaper of its destiny. If roots can twine unhindered again, then my breaking of stone will not be for naught. Celebrimbor conjured his designs with sand, fiddling with an iteration that had almost reached perfection. Before we proceed, we must test the endurance of these rings. It is beyond question that the next will be the ultimate, but we cannot devote a century once again without first ascertaining if this will work or not. There is no haste. Even if it takes you a hundred years more, we must do it right, for all this was futile. Anatar appeased his doubts. Let us bring these rings to the brink of Eregion, at the first sight of the sun, and bear witness to the bounty of your labors. Adorning the fingers of the Gwaith, the rings commanded an audience of elves. 
Casting their collective wishes to nourish the soil with life-giving power, Anatar appeared before them and heralded the breaking of the seeds and the shooting of the stems and the branching of the leaves and the blooming of the flowers, plucking the fruits with his illumined hands to serve the host of the Eldar in triumph. All but Lady Galadriel of the Golden House readily savored the sweetness of the apples, and only Lady Galadriel remained in the orchard unmoved by the magic of the rings, and it was Lady Galadriel who spoke of dire portents in the fair fields of the Gwaith. This is but an imitation, and like all fabrications, it will fade, doomed by design to wither before the winds of time. For long I have entertained this, but I must refrain from indulging any further. For though this might seem right, there is much left to wonder, and pondering upon it darkens my mind. You must abate, not abet, for what tomorrow this craft begets, none can know for certain. To this Anatar refused to respond and walked away into the wilderness, leaving behind only a glimpse of his discontent for the Gwythe to gaze at in shame, and upon his departure they turned towards Galadriel and followed Celebrimbor to the forge in silence. Decades passed, and the parties of the impasse grew impatient until all decorum collapsed at the culmination of a feast. A stainless chalice stood untouched upon a bejeweled table, as clear as the mirror-mirror reflecting the happenings of faraway constellations. In its own clarity, it captured animosity, and in its glint were hints of betrayal erupting. On one side of the chalice was a restless gwythe, and on the other a resolute Galadriel, and in between them moved Celeborn and Celebrimbor in circles with claims that challenged one another. Long has this Anatar poisoned your purposes, Celeborn dueled for reason. You say he is a lord of gifts, but he sells you a casket full of empty promises. Eregion flourishes, and with it elvendom upon Middle-earth, Celebrimbor portrayed his furor with pride. What are your contributions towards this prosperity? Your titles remain decorative, yet you declare your demands with an authority befitting one who would enact change. What change? Stale have been the waters of this realm until now, and you stir up a storm in response. Leave with her, Celeborn. Though I have lost the favor of Galadriel, I will not miss your absence. In Elvenholm I will remain, and from your dwarven doors I shall refrain, for I have not so easily forgotten what your friends had wrought in Beleriand, where our kin once preserved all that is good. I lauded your wisdom in the halls of Durin when Narvi ached for more, and yet you impart unjust suspicion and deny us this chance to accomplish the ever-greening of Middle-earth and the vanquishing of greed. Celebrimbor receded from Celeborn, raising his arms in resignation. Through many courts I have been a companion to your council, but no longer can I condone your challenge against this council. The silence of Galadriel haunts these halls, and Son must once again fill it. May the roots of Malorn ground you in reason once again, whether you decide to stay or follow Galadriel to Lothlorien. Celeborn looked to Galadriel, and for a moment his eyes sought her approval. Long had he stood beside her, and the words of Celebrimbor had wearied him towards rest. With fear and loathing for self, Celeborn decided to sit, and surrendering his arguments before the Gwaith one last time, he retired to his chambers instead, forking the path he had followed with Galadriel for millennia in favor of questioning his own judgment. 
From that moment onwards, he faded from prominence, giving the Gwyth the keys to the kiln. Celebrimbor followed Galadriel to the doors of Durin, in hope of convincing her with a parting gift. Galadriel granted him a moment, but he spoke no verse in Westron, nor Ilvish, and even though he knew Dwarvish and Entish tongues, his lips remained pursed. Melon, said Galadriel, turning her gaze towards the gates of Khazad-dûm, and Celebrimbor mourned the friendship that was broken the moment she disappeared behind the mountain door. For years thereafter, Celebrimbor stayed away from the doors of Durin, even from the councils of Narvi, confining himself to the dungeons that the dwarves had dug in Eregion, grieving throughout the years that followed the confidant he had lost. One autumn morning, he ventured out into the sun, and staring at the distant snow, sent his emissaries to Anatar. Upon the behest of Celebrimbor, Anatar now returned to perfect the catalysts of this schism, overseeing the assemblage of mighty rings from their conception to their conclusion. As the Gwyth continued the crafting, Anatar conversed with Celebrimbor in the long moments of waiting where silence replaced music once encouraged in the halls. Anatar grew more approachable by the tryst. With Celebrimbor, he often strolled along the streams and across stone bridges that led to the imposing sight of the misty mountains. The air carried echoes from Casa Doom, with interludes from eagles piping from the mist-capped peaks. The sky remained the sharpest of blues for days until dusk turned the horizon red, and Anatar enjoyed this changing of the hues with Celebrimbor by his side. The sky is a shade of sapphire I've only witnessed in Valinor, eclipsed by a rubied river as red as a mountain spewing doom, and in between them stands your realm, as adamant as Gondolin amidst Tumladen. You are the lord of Eregion, a land lush with handsome Holland, and you have achieved all this with your skilled foresight. Look at you now, Tile Pinquar, far more accomplished than Galadriel has ever been, no longer in need of reverence towards her craft. You have been fruitful while she fades in Lothlorien, wishing to accomplish what you have. Desperate to return to a realm she ruled, a place she prospered in. And that proud prince still calls it a home stolen from her. Yet he does not oversee the realm. You do. The elven heralds spread the word of her ousting. But did she not leave out of stubborn will? You deserve to be admired. And admire your creation. What if she is not wrong? What if the decree you convey is not entirely without limitations? What if our calculations are imprecise or our alchemy impure? What if Celeborn was speaking the truth? I regret my words for Galadriel. Perhaps I truly am an offspring of Feanor. And doomed to succumb to my pride? I awaken with these questions and lull myself to sleep without answers. I do not doubt your sincerity, but I do not know why you place such trust in me. For the gods themselves to choose me, I find it as unbelievable as a pardon for Sauron. Tell me, Lord Anatar. What do you see in me that I cannot? The emissary of the Valar stretched his arm towards the tip of Austin Edhil, and turned his head towards Celebrimbor, conjuring a smile that was as welcoming as the evening sun in spring. He spoke with a whispered tenor that waltzed with the wind, appearing at once alluring and alarming, arresting the attention of the new lord of Eregion with ethereal enchantment. The great powers of Ilmarin bestowed this boon on you, not her even though you are closer to Feanor in both spirit and kinship. And you, the Valar, foresee reconciliation, 
To you is given the task to prevent Middle-earth from the rule of men. You are the safeguard for the elven Fea against fading. You are obliged to oversee the divine order emerging from your creation, channeled through these reins of power to delay decay. You are closer than she will ever be to the absolute grace of the gods. Through you will the statuses of Noldor be restored as peers to the Vanyar who still reside in Valinor unblemished. Do you not find this fantastical? A story being told of you by the watchful eyes of Manwe and the wise words of Varda? Look again in the mirror this night and find the potential I see in you. I have spent centuries beside you now, and I have grown to care for the reaping of your fate. You have welcomed me here as a lord of gifts, and I have welcomed you in my confidence as a friend of the Valar. I am merely a messenger to a prophet who forges the future, and that you have, Celebrimbor. Or if I may be so bold, Feanor, as Feanor should have been bolstered by failure, and polished with experience, as powerful as the will of the Ainur, a great note in the divine symphony of Eru Iluvatar. Celebrimbor was filled with fire once more, as was the ritual between them. Every day they walked the length of Uregion and headed into the misty mountains to the beacons by Casa Doom. From the fire-bearing terraces they watched the sunset to shed all doubts and start anew for young sunrise to inspire greater work for the Gwaith. The longer the forging pursued, the more impatient Celebrimbor had become, and with impatience he experienced profound lack of confidence in his success, and felt compelled towards abandoning their combined creation. Anatar narrated a variation of the decree from Valinor every day, and revived the spirits of Celebrimbor with forgetfulness. The elf and the emissaries spent late hours into the night, gazing at the stars above the mountains, speculating and studying the properties of their light, charting the pathways of the constellations to decipher their directions, scribbling on scrolls and turns, and narrating observations with exaggerated accents for the amusement of each other. At the end of each excursion, they walked without escort before the midnight gong, inebriated with finest wine from the cellars of the watchtowers, exchanging their experiences in Valinor from an age older than the slaying at Alqualonde. And each day spent with Anatar meant that Celebrimbor was away from the courts and the councils, and only devoted his sharpest hours to the creation of the Sixteen Rings. The Gwythi Myrdain often took turns to host him at the end of every three years, and summarize the reports from Eregion and beyond, succeeding the creation of a new ring. Celebrimbor considered this to be a necessity, as nothing else he heard in the realms he was the lord of could match the unrecorded stories he discussed with Anatar from the Golden Age of Valinor. Their deliberations induced a dreamlike state in Celebrimbor, and through this ritual Anatar inspired genius in him and a gradual growth towards glory for Eregion. During sunlit hours, Celebrimbor endeavored to perfect the procedures Anatar had taught him over time, pausing his projects only to address the realm at the revelation of a new ring, as was his right. One by one, the seven rings of wealth and might were presented to the Noldor of Eregion, transforming their towers and their citadels overnight, and bringing prosperity to their coffers. Eight more were crafted next, with power to defy mortality, even in lands of men, and one more was left to make before the Gwythe could wear them together, and summon the grace of the Valar upon all blight. Every night you hear the words of the Valar, Celebrimbor spoke to Anatar in the watchtower one last time, and every morning I manifest the devices of Iluvatar. 
Tomorrow I will know the answers that you have promised to reveal. Once we have scaled the zenith of this challenge and conquered the K, I hope I can accompany you to the Towers of Tyrion and appear before the Great Powers. The honor that the Vanyar have extended cannot be thanked in seven ages, and I wish to return their confidence unbroken. I will endeavor that you remain in the Blessed Realm, and rest in my residence at the foothills of Tyrion, by rivers that never dry, serenaded by the leaves of undying spring. Anatar promised him. I wish to be your emissary to the Valar, and carry the word of your creation across Middle-earth. Together we will achieve what Morgoth and Sauron failed to bring, a fairness ever flowering, and the removal of all rot. We are better than them, fairer than them, and carry the blessings of the Valar themselves. I look forward to being by your side as Aule once again shapes Middle-earth, an order as absolute as the purity of the alloys you bind our intent to. Celebrimbor was overcome with purpose and led Anatar to the Fifteen, speaking the secret words that unlocked the enchantment he had placed upon the vault upon their arrival. In turns they peered through the magnifying glasses and corrected their equations of their procedure, and shared their epiphanies with delight. The delight continued into the morning and fueled the fires of the forge for one final foray, reaching a crescendo with the finest of the nine, a ring that once placed beside the rest reflected both light and might of the Valar. The impatient crowds marveled at their make, and prayed to the great powers for peace, protection, and prosperity. Anatar stood beside Celebrimbor, beaming with pride, and addressed the audience at last, having refused to command away murmuring rumors for three centuries. I am only an emissary, and as an emissary of the Valar I was to be the sole counsel of Lord Tylepinquar, and from me are not these schemes you conjure in your fantasies. Anatar proclaimed before the peoples of Eregion, Eriador, and Erebor. However, I am not the conductor of this momentous evening in history. I am privileged to have been the companion of the Lord of Eregion in this Irandelian endeavor, and it is the Gwaith e Myrdain who have performed the music of your glory with instruments of intuition. I have come to you as an emissary of the Valar, and I depart with your teachings to Valinor. Anatar looked to the greatest jewelsmith of the Eldar, as bouquets and trumpets and fireworks rose in his praise, and humbled himself before the crowd readily. Raising his arms to the patron of Eregion, he urged the audience, Hail, Celebrimbor, the true successor of Feanor, redeemer of the Noldor, and the rightful Lord of the Rings.